Welcome to Rhonda NP's Menopause Guide Podcast with Rhonda Jolliffe, nurse practitioner, hormone expert, and menopause mentor. Balance your menopause experience with natural solutions and regain control to live the life you love. Let's get started. Hi there, this is Chris Doctor, and I'm your co-host for the Menopause Guide podcast with Rhonda NP. In just a minute, Rhonda will join me. Hey, and if you found this podcast for the first time, we'd like to welcome you. And maybe you've listened many times, so we hope you're enjoying the information and finding our topics of interest to you, and more importantly, that we are providing some actionable steps and strategies for your consideration during your perimenopause and menopause journey. We do our best to produce this podcast every week, and any of the resources or products we mention, we'll put links in the show notes, which you can find at our website, rhondanp.com. We are so lucky that Rhonda is a hormone expert because during perimenopause and menopause, our hormones are definitely in charge, and figuring out how to get everything to balance is the key to feeling your best. Today's episode is number 017, and we are calling it Uncovering the Right Tests for Menopause. I don't know about you, but whenever I get my lab tests back, my eyes crossed. How am I supposed to know what's going on? Are you as confused as I am? Well, today we will discuss all of that, including what lab tests can tell if you're in menopause, the types of tests your healthcare practitioner may order, and the pros and cons to each of these. We are also going to look at normal versus optimal ranges and what to do if your labs say normal, but you still feel like crap. So before we dive in, I want to mention a very special live training we have coming up mid-May. We are very excited to be offering this training three times on May 17th and May 18th. The name of the training is Three Menopause Secrets, What Mom Never Told You, your girlfriends don't know, and healthcare practitioners don't have time to teach you. We've packed this training with great information that you need to know about your perimenopause and menopause experience. There will be more information on our website, rhondanp.com, so be sure to check that out. So with that, let's dive into this episode. So we are talking today about uncovering the right test for menopause. Now, this is a really confusing area for many women because we just don't know where to start or what we should be asking for. So in today's episode, we are going to go through this step-by-step with our expert, Rhonda, because she does this every single day. Yeah, I do actually do it every day. I do a lot of testing. I think it's very helpful to kind of get a baseline and see where people are at. And then also with treatment and following them. And obviously I do more testing with people that are on hormone replacement therapy than I do if we're just treating lifestyle and herbs and that kind of thing. But some women really like to know what their levels are. And I think that's great. Other women don't care. And I can kind of go by symptomatology and that kind of thing. But I do like testing. I think it really gives you some concrete information. And so I, yeah, I do. I use it every single day. Let me ask just a big generic question. Is there a be all end all test if you are in perimenopause or you're say in your early forties and you're starting to experience, you know, all of the symptoms, you're missing your periods, you have some of the hot flashes, night sweats, et cetera. Can I come in to healthcare practitioner and just ask to be tested to see if I am in menopause? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And most healthcare practitioners will get testing. So most practitioners will go ahead and get an FSH in the blood and that's the follicle stimulating hormone. It's not a perfect test, but it really gives us an idea. Anything over 30 means that you're probably going through menopause. And if you're higher than, oh, 50 and you haven't had periods, for six, eight months, your likelihood of getting another period is probably pretty slim and we could say, yes, you're in menopause. So remember the definition of perimenopause is when your periods start to change and that sometimes you will have an FSH that can vary just a little bit with that. So again, not a perfect test, but most practitioners will know, yes, you're in menopause or no, you're really not. So by an FSH. Okay. So you're basically a detective as a healthcare practitioner, right? You're listening to the cues and the, and what our body is telling us through these tests. Well, thank you for saying that because so many people want it to be like this perfect science and it really isn't. It really isn't. The medicine really isn't a perfect science. We go by scientific studies, but then there's people and people are their own person and everybody's body is different. So I've seen some high FSH and I'm like, oh, you're in menopause. And then couple of months later, they'll get a period. And I'm like, holy cow, I can't believe you could have gotten a period with an 80 FSH. So I can't say that it never, ever happens. But if you see a really high FSH, the likelihood of them ever getting a period again is really, really low. But nothing is perfect. I've seen all kinds of things all over the map. So, but the FSH is just that one test that practitioners will use to determine, are you in menopause or are you not? This is a nice test for those women that don't have their periods anymore because they've had a hysterectomy. So you can't tell by the periods and they're like, where am I at? And so FSH will really tell us what those ovaries are doing and if they're still stimulated. And so the FSH is a really, really good one for women with hysterectomies to say, here's where you're at. Yeah. Cause we all want to know. We, we want to know, right? I know. <laughs> Inquiry minds. And I would have to say that's most women. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. So what are the other types of tests women can get? And what are some of the advantages and disadvantages to these? So this is where I work with women one-on-one and kind of determine where they're at, what they want to know, what kind of symptoms they have. And then I determine what testing I will do from there. I usually start with blood testing or serum testing. I just, because I'm a nurse practitioner, that's what I was taught. And they're really, it really gives me great information. Is it the end all of all hormones? No. And I guess this is what the controversy is. So what's better because there's different kinds of testings and I'll go through each one of them, but okay. blood, blood testing for me is a nice general overview of your hormones. And so if I'm going to do a full panel of something, I will get not just estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, I'll get that FSH and LH, especially if they're still menstruating. I'll get a prolactin level because that tells me what their pituitary gland is doing. I might get a fasting insulin because that tells me what's going on with their pancreas, which remember, those are all part of our whole endocrine system. And then I'll do a really comprehensive thyroid, uh, TSH, free T4, free T3. Sometimes I'll do a reverse T3, not as commonly. I used to do it more common, but I can kind of figure things out without doing that now because it's a little costly. And then I'll do like a TPO, which is a thyroid antibodies. And also with the testosterone comes a sex hormone binding globulin, which is really nice. And so those are the blood tests that I perform on somebody if they really want to know where they're at. It's very helpful. So 
Those are, you know, some of the things about blood testing. There is a few disadvantages to that. When you're talking hormones, there's hormones that are circulating around in our blood, and then there's hormones that are out in our tissue. And so when you're doing serum testing or blood testing, you're basically getting one moment in time, what's in your blood on that given day, and it's what's circulating around in your blood. And so the disadvantage to that is hormones change from day to day. So you could get especially with estrogen in particular and the perimenopause phase is kind of all over the map, but that is giving us like this one moment in time of what's in the blood and not what's in the tissue. And sometimes it's what's going on in the tissues that is causing a lot of the symptoms. So when you order a testosterone in the blood, we do get a total testosterone, which is in the blood, and then a free testosterone, but we don't get those with estrogen and progesterone. So that is the disadvantage to that. So then I would consider more like saliva testing. So saliva testing has become real popular and I use it a lot, just almost as much, not quite as much as blood, but almost. And this is a nice way of testing those hormones in the tissue. And so saliva testing really is a test I use when I have somebody on like a hormone replacement, a topical hormone replacement. You want to know what's in the tissue because when you use bioidentical topical hormones, those hormones might not all get to the blood. They kind of go to the cells where they need to go and that might be out in the tissue. And so saliva testing to me is a lot more accurate once that you have have somebody on a topical hormone replacement. And so that's when I use that. The other thing that's really cool about a saliva test is I can get a, it's called a four diurnal cortisol level. And that's taking a cortisol four different times throughout the day. And this gives us a pattern because cortisol changes throughout the day. It's supposed to be high in the morning and then kind of level out and go lower at, as the day goes on and into the evening. And so this gives you an idea of what time of day that this person can could be having problems. And I can look at this and I can even guess, I'm like, oh, I bet you're really tired around four o'clock. And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I am. I'm extremely tired at four o'clock. Or you can tell when someone's not sleeping good just by their diurnal cortisol levels. And I'm like, you must not be sleeping. And they're like, how'd you know? Well, it does show it on there. So that's what I really like the saliva test, the four diurnal cortisol level for saliva is a really nice test. And I've just been doing that for a long time. So I am very comfortable with it. And keep in mind that that's kind of the deal. It's, I don't know that I can say one is better than the other. If you have a practitioner that uses one test and they're very comfortable with that and they know that's really the tip. If someone's using saliva testing and they use it a lot, they know the pros and cons to it. They can adjust for that. And so that's that's always a really nice thing. But some of the disadvantages to saliva testing, you have to be careful. If you are taking any hormones like a trochee under the tongue or any liquid hormones, that can really throw a saliva test off. So you have to be real careful with that. Also, if you have any makeup or things that might have a little steroid in them, any topical applications of anything, 
things or certain foods and toothpaste can actually throw saliva off. So you have to be really careful with that. Let me ask you real quick, do you do blood and saliva or do you do one or the other or does it depend on how the patient presents? Blood and saliva really is the best way to do it because you're looking at what's in the blood and what's getting to the tissue. Okay. And so, yes, I will do, although it's costly, it is the best. In my case, I do bill insurance. So the insurance usually picks up blood testing. They do not pick up saliva testing. So ideally, when you're really looking at someone for the first time, getting the blood and saliva probably is the best choice, although it is costly. Mm -hmm. Once you're on, if you're on hormone replacement, however, saliva really is better because we know that not all of that gets into the bloodstream, not okay. all their hormone gets in the bloodstream. So blood's not as helpful then. Oh, okay. I that, that makes Does that, sense. does that make sense? It does. I know. It does. Okay. There's a lot. And I, I think, uh, don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry, we have a handout for you on this podcast too, if your head's spinning at this moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's other tests, right? There actually is. As time goes on, they come up with new things. And so kind of in the more recent years, there's urine testing now, and there's a few different kinds of urine testing, but dried urine testing has become really popular. And there's a couple labs that actually do this. And so some practitioners really believe that this is the most accurate measuring of the hormone metabolites. And the metabolites have to do with, think about your hormones in its self in your body, and then you put some other hormones on your body, like bioidentical creams, your body takes those in, they metabolize them, and then they excrete out. And those are called metabolites. And you can get a good indication of how from the metabolites on how you're processing, utilizing and metabolizing your hormones. So this is a really good test when you have someone on hormone replacement, um, because it looks at how you're metabolizing those estrogens. The research is not 100% conclusive on this yet. I don't do a lot of urine testing at this point. I'm kind of one of those conservative practitioners where I wait and I let things kind of come out and and get the bugs cleared out and then I'll start using them. But I've, I've done a few of them and I it's, it's really a promising new tool. But if you have a doctor that you're going to and they do this strictly, again, you can trust that they understand it and they know it and they're going to help you with the understanding of this testing. So do I say it's better than saliva? Not really. It's They look at two different things. This is the metabolite testing is kind of looking at a different thing, but there are some practitioners that really believe in this new technology and are doing this strictly, just this, and that's okay. If they understand it and they know the pros and the cons and everything about it, then they know what they're doing. So you just have to trust that they were trained in it and they're doing the dried urine testing, but it, it is promising. And I can't say that I won't get into it because I probably yeah. will. What is it called? Dry urine testing? Or does it have a name? <laughs> well, yeah, there is a precision analytics company and they name there's the Dutch test. So you might see that Dutch test out there on the internet if you Google hormone testing. And then there's a Meridian Valley Lab also. And I think they just call theirs the dried urine test. And I think these are both good tests and practitioners just tend to use a certain lab. So we always are like, what's the best lab? What's the best lab? And really the testing has gotten so much better 
better over the years than when I started 20 years ago, that there's more than just one or two labs that are doing the testing and they're all really gotten good. So I can't say one more than the other. The key is your practitioner kind of knows the pros and the cons of their testing. Okay. If that makes sense. Totally. Absolutely. (laughs) So you get, you get all these tests, either the blood, the urine, the saliva, and your tests come back and you're in the normal range, but you still feel like crap. What do you do? Well, as a functional medicine practitioner, we're not really into normal ranges. We're really into more what we call optimal ranges. And that is such as I will just take vitamin D, which so many people are deficient in vitamin D. If you look at the conventional reference range for vitamin D is 30 to 100. But most people feel better when it's more in that 60 to 90 range or 70 to 90 range. So optimally, you will feel better. We call it optimal because you'll feel better. So I have people come in and they're like, yeah, my vitamin D is normal and I get it and it's 32. And so their doctor told them it was normal, but that's not normal to me. And I explained that to them. I said, did you feel better? Are you feeling better on that 1000 IUs that you're taking? And they're like, well, no, I really didn't notice a difference. The majority of people for vitamin D I have on 5,000 is almost the minimum. And then I check levels to get them up in that optimal range. And when you start getting people up in the optimal range, they feel so much better. And this is true for all of the labs. So you're looking at your labs at more what's optimal versus what the normal range is. Keep in mind on testing how we get normal ranges. We get them by, let's say you test 100 people and 90 of them fall in this certain range. That's like a bell curve on statistics. And so then that becomes the norm. But that doesn't mean that those people optimally feel good with that range. And usually a range, depending on what you're you're testing for is kind of in the middle of what's normal on the conventional reference range. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. And then some, it's on the higher end. You're going to feel better on the higher end of that. So it depends on what you're looking at. But most functional practitioners know this. And if you're going to a functional medicine practitioner, they're looking at optimal ranges. So on the flip side, what if a listener works with their healthcare practitioner and they really don't order lab work? They say, oh, you don't need this. What should that person do? If they're comfortable with that and they're comfortable with their treatment plan, that's okay. But if they're not, (laughs) then find a practitioner that'll do some lab testing. And honestly, that I do get a lot of people for that very reason. They go to their doctor and either they didn't do any testing, said it was unnecessary, or they put them on something and they just don't feel good. And I get a lot of patients because of that. So they come to me, they're like, my doctor put me on this estrogen and I feel terrible. And usually that's because they are probably too high a dose of estrogen and they didn't add a little progesterone or or whatever. There's a lot of different scenarios here, but that is, if you don't like your results of what you're getting with a practitioner, find a new one. It's okay. It's okay. You're a consumer, right? Yes, you are. Consumer of your healthcare, and I think that's so important to really talk about that. For some women, I don't know if it's I'm 52. I see that as if I don't jive with my person, I am leaving, and and I will figure it out because it's too important. You know, Uh, our moms wouldn't do that, right? Our moms would be like, "Well, the doctor said." 
yeah, I gotta do exactly. This, you know? yeah. yeah. Well, well, we're in a little different generation where we don't take things lying down. Hell no. And, and you know, it's, it's like if you went to a hairdresser and she cut off half of your side of your hair on one side and left the other long and you went home, you wouldn't go back to her. No. So if you're not feeling good and it doesn't make them a bad practitioner, they might not be specialized in this area. That is kind of the big thing. And, you know, there's a lot of OBGYNs that are the ones that you go to for hormone replacement, but some of them really don't have their interest in there. You never know. They might just love delivering those babies and taking care of you then. And this time in their life, they're they're not really that interested in it. So that, you know, you just find a new practitioner. It's time and it's okay. And honestly, even people that come to me, if they feel like they're not getting results from what I'm doing, then I'm okay with them going to try and find another practitioner too to see if there can they can get better help there as well. I'm totally okay with that. And most practitioners are. So we don't have to worry or feel bad that you're divorcing your practitioner here. If you're not feeling good and getting what you want, go and find someone that's going to help you with this. That's really specialized in this area because it is a specialty. Absolutely. That brings up something interesting. I was doing some research and I found this study from 2013. So it's not that old. It was done by Johns Hopkins and they surveyed, I believe it was 500 OBGYN residents and the numbers were staggering. I mean, we can look at it and go, oh my God, it was something like 80% were uncomfortable dealing with menopausal women (laughs) or or not confident at all or something like that. I'll put the study in the show notes. But when I saw that, I was like, well, no wonder. And in people that I've talked to, and Rhonda, I know you do on a daily basis, that the healthcare practitioner has no idea how to deal with the myriad of symptoms that are coming like an onslaught freight train during perimenopause and menopause. And they're just like, well, here's some Prozac and put a fan under your desk, you know, and that's not the way to go either. Right, right. I totally agree. And like I say, it does not make them a bad practitioner. They probably met your needs for those first 20 years. You had your babies with them and they're a great guy or lady and and you had a great relationship with them, but your needs are different now. You're done having babies and done having menstrual cycles and it's okay. It's okay to change. In saying that, of course, we would never speak poorly of other professionals, but you're right. It's a specialty. So if someone is listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, what would I look for? What type of practitioner would I look for who would specialize in perimenopause, menopause, hormones? What would be your advice to that person? You know, my advice to that is finding a practitioner that prescribes bioidentical hormone replacement because that practitioner doesn't mean that she's going to put you, she or he is going to put you on hormone replacement. It means that they have an understanding of how lifestyle and adrenals and all of this, because that's what we're taught when you go to classes on bioidentical hormone replacement, you really are taught about the whole body in itself and and treating the adrenal system and the insulin and all of that through lifestyle before or in conjunction with bioidentical hormone replacement. So that is what I would look for first, somebody that prescribes bioidentical hormone replacement because that really is the best choice for everyone. So that's where I would start. Okay. And the other resource, I'll put that in the show notes, is the Institute of Functional Medicine has a, which is the type of medicine Rhonda practices, they have a practitioner directory. So you can put in your city and state. And then if there are 
functional medicine practitioners in your area, it'll pop up. That is something I will stick in our show notes as well. Uh, if you're interested in, in looking for someone in your area who practices functional medicine. I think, I can't remember, I haven't been on that for a while. I think they even have listed what their specialties are. Ooh, because some, better. Yeah, because some functional medicine practitioners really are real specialty in gut health. And then others are, you know, women's health and hormone replacement. So, you know, you can find, I mean, it's the education. I used to go, when I first started going to some of the classes, there were like 40 people in the room. And now there's thousands of doctors and nurse practitioners that are going to be trained in some of this stuff. So it's really cool. And they're, they're all over. They're all over. So you should be able to find somebody fairly close to where you are. I'm in North Dakota for crying out loud. <laughs> well, and I was just, I was just thinking Rhonda was such a pioneer when you first started your practice here, people were like, which doctor? You know? <laughs> I know, it was it was so bizarre. Um, it was so cute. And I love all the OBGYNs. I actually get along with OBGYNs in my community because I refer to them for babies and surgeries. And But they referred to me to the herb gal on 3rd Street. And this was back <laughs> when I didn't even know much about herbs yet. And so I'm the herb gal on 3rd Street, but really not knowing a lot about herbs quite yet. But oh, <laughs> it was cute. Funny. Oh my God. Yeah, it's evolved. <laughs> Like everything, you know why? Because it works. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. works. And yeah, and I even have OBGYNs that know that I do this. And if their patient is like, I want bioidenticals, they'll send to me now. And because they're not as comfortable with it. And then there's some OBGYNs too that are starting to get comfortable with it as well. So it. So it's I evolved. think our we're going to put a note here to do a podcast on bioidentical hormones. Oh yeah, yeah, I can talk on that for hours. Oh, we'll, <laughs> we'll put that on the list. We'll put that on the list. And speaking of that, if you're listening and there's topics you would like us to cover, please send us a note at contact at rondanp.com. I'll put that in a show notes as well. We'd love to hear from you and understand what you might be interested in hearing about. So as we wrap this one up, Rhonda, is there anything else you'd like to talk about or mention about testing? I just really want to take note, any of your labs done for anything really is to kind of learn what the optimal ranges are. And you're, you're your own advocate for your health. And so most people have patient portals that they go in and they look at their labs and you'll see those reference ranges on those labs. You're your own patient advocate. So go in and see where you're at. And if you're not in one of those optimal ranges, you can do something about it. Ask your practitioner, talk to them about it, but that's where you want to be. Perfect. And to end on that, there'll be a download for this episode as well on the site, rondanp.com under this episode, and it is normal versus optimal lab ranges. So all of the levels will be there so you can take a look at that. That's it for now. So thanks for joining us. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks for joining the Menopause Guide podcast with Rhonda NP. You'll find the show notes and other valuable information at our website, rondanp.com. Don't worry about this menopause thing. You've got this.